Hi, it's Melissa Moore. Thank you so much for joining me for Mile High Magazine on this Sunday morning. I think especially lately, sex trafficking, it's been in the news. And yet we always have that tie here locally in Colorado to sex trafficking. And it is a problem in Colorado. So I'm thrilled to have with me today, Kristen Harness, the Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Extended Hands of Hope. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So before we get into exactly what Extended Hands of Hope does um, in the sex trafficking world and in the recovery of it. Let's talk a little bit, if you can, help me understand, because I've heard a lot of people are confused about, like, let's just take the case in Florida right now Mm -hmm. and the owner of the Patriots being charged with sex trafficking, and yet they use prostitution and they use them almost simultaneously. So I think people are a little confused. Yeah. So when you're talking about sex trafficking, um, there has to be, according to the legal definition, there has to be some type of force, fraud, or coercion involved. Okay. Um, unless the victim is a minor. So under the age of 18, there doesn't have to be any type of force or fraud or anything. Any minor involved in the commercial sex industry is considered a victim of sex trafficking according to the law. So the difference between prostitution, if you say it in between prostitution and sex trafficking in its basic form is, is there force? Is there any fraud? Is there any coercion? Or are they, quote unquote, voluntarily participating? Mm -hmm. So does it make you wonder, does the media get it wrong sometimes in the terminology? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I I think everybody's getting a lot better, more educated about what the differences are, what it Mm -hmm. actually is. Um, I'm, you know, very hopeful that uh, people are going to begin to see it for what it really is. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I do still think that people are getting it wrong. Right. Because I hear the words used simultaneously in a lot of newscasts. And I'm like, okay, a prostitution sting and a Mm -hmm. sex trafficking sting to me are very different things. Right. Yeah. And I think they originally started saying the word prostitution. um, And now they're finding out that these victims are actually, you know, not voluntarily um, participating in this and that there's definitely fraud and they're being forced to do it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing sex trafficking language being used more, but. That's what I was wondering, right. too. Like, what was the change that happened? Well, let's talk about the problem here in Colorado. Yeah. It is a problem, is it not? Absolutely, yes. What does that look like for our state? Who who are these women? Are they? I, I assume there are men as well and children. Oh, yeah. Human trafficking can happen to any age, any gender. Um, here in Colorado, we have victim of, victims of sex trafficking from babies all the way up to you know, whatever age, adults, and anywhere in between. That just makes me sick. It is sick, yeah. Um, So the FBI did a sting operation. It's a national sting operation that they do every year called Operation Cross Country. And the last one they did um, here in Colorado, they actually recovered a three-month-old baby and a five-year-old girl that was being sold by their uncle for sex. And I know of... A father that was selling his six-year-old daughter outside of a home in Jefferson County. So um, we've got victims that are that are very young, nationwide. Common age of entry into the commercial sex industry is anywhere from twelve to fourteen. You'll hear um, here in Colorado, it's the same. So you're looking at an average age of about fourteen, fifteen years old when they're when they're entering into the commercial sex industry. And because of the age, it's automatically sex trafficking. Automatically, yes. Okay. Yes. So let's talk about the recovery process. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you help victims or victims are a sting operation happens and, and men and women and unfortunately children are, are recovered. Mm-hmm. What happens then? Because that's really where extended hands of hope comes in, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, our mission is to offer safe housing and supportive services to survivors of sex trafficking. And the reason that I started this organization a little over five years ago is because there was no safe home specifically for minors recovered out of sex trafficking. And so you're about 100% of the girls that we work with have a past history of sexual abuse. Okay, so and nationwide, the statistic is around 90%. So most of these victims are coming from a past history of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, they're being trafficked. So all they've known is abuse in their life. So it's just trauma after trauma after trauma. And so they they deal with a lot of um, what's considered complex trauma. And up until our home was open in Denver, there, there was no place for them to go. So when there would be a sting operation or when law enforcement would recover, let's say, a 15-year-old girl out of a hotel or out of a sex trafficking situation, um, they didn't have any place for her to go. And so they were bringing these kids to jail or detention centers. And, of course, that makes them feel like they're the criminal here mm-hmm. when, in fact, they are absolutely the victim. So um, there's just there's a lot of... Like I said, a lot of complex trauma that occurs within sex trafficking. And so the the girls that we work with, they suffer physical consequences, psychological consequences, mental con- consequences, emotional, um, and a lot of times to, to the very extreme levels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these these girls go into, I guess, a recovery is what you're talking about here. You, right. you recover them. From the sex trafficking world. Yeah, we don't really use the word rescue anymore. Right, um, right. Because that kind of, it's kind of uh, belittling, you know, we're rescuing them. Um, Mm -hmm. So we use the word recover now, yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. okay. So the housing is is one of the things that you're doing. Yes. Okay. So it starts with the housing, but obviously there are a lot of needs that need to be met. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, if I'm hearing you right, I mean, children that are recovered from the sex trafficking industry, I mean, they can't go into a foster home right away. You know, a lot of these kids actually come out of the foster care system. Oh, geez. So I think the recent statistic that I read is that around 80 to 85 percent of sex trafficking victims actually at some point in time um, had an interaction with either foster care system or social services. Okay. Um, but kids are actually being trafficked and abused within the foster care system here in Colorado. So I had a meeting, I'm not going to name names or even positions with somebody who has a really, um, high up position Mm -hmm. in human services. And they said, we have like, 200 and some homes here in Colorado that are considered group homes or foster homes. And I know for a fact that trafficking is going on within these homes. So the unfortunate thing is that these kids are actually coming out of the foster care system. I I, I don't understand. I know. I don't understand. It's very upsetting because how is it so broken? I mean, that these kids that are already going through such an awful time in their life and a difficult situation are now abused at at an even deeper level. Yes. The reason that sex trafficking exists is because of demand. There's a demand for sex with children. But another reason why it's so prevalent is because our systems that we have set up that are supposed to be protecting children are Mm -hmm. failing. That's the school system. That's the foster care system, the social services system. um, That's the healthcare industry. 
all of these places that should be protecting kids are not. And so what's happening is it's creating very vulnerable environments and vulnerability is what attracts traffickers, right? They prey on vulnerabilities. And so these kids are extremely vulnerable within the foster care system. And it's it's for a variety of reasons. You know, sometimes you've got foster parents who are only in it for the money, right? So they are not in it. They want to get as many kids in their home as possible. They're in it for the money because they get, you know, when you're a foster parent, you get money every month Mm -hmm. for each kid from the state. And so it's a way for them to make money. And so they're not taking care of these kids. They're abusing them within the homes. Um, And then you have other foster families who they're really good hearted and they want to help. They're Mm -hmm. just not equipped. They don't have the resources they need. They haven't been trained properly. And so they just don't know how to take care of these these kids that are vulnerable. I mean, if you've got kids in the in the foster care system, um, you know, they're probably most likely coming from. an environment of abuse or neglect and that's Mm -hmm. what brought them to the foster care system in the first place so they're already coming with that level of trauma and so these these foster parents just don't know how to take care of these kiddos and so they're you know running away from home or they're not going to school and then of course again that that makes them very vulnerable to being trafficked Mm -hmm. the um, national statistic is within uh, 24 to 48 hours, one out of three minors that run away from home will be approached by a trafficker. And so if you're in a foster home and they're not taking care of you properly or they're abusing you and you're running away from that environment, you're now right. um, most likely going to be approached by a trafficker. Well, and even some kids that are probably in a good foster home, mm-hmm. but just who can't deal, take it, off. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. Again, we're talking about we're talking about teenagers here. Right. Specifically, you know, we're talking about teenage girls. Um, I ran away from home when I was a teenage girl. Sometimes, you know, sometimes victims of trafficking here in Colorado aren't even coming from broken homes. Right, right. They're from that perfect looking family in Highlands Ranch that, yep. you know, mom and dad are married. They've got good jobs. And everything is seemingly going well. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, she's a teenage girl and yep. she wants adventure or she met this guy online who says she's really pretty and wants to meet her. And, um, you know, social media now and the apps, it, apps and social media and online, those are the number one recruiting grounds for traffickers now. And so it's easy as a trafficker being able to communicate with your daughter in your home. And so it doesn't have to be that element of that broken family. But a lot of times you do you do see that. Well, I think that's something really important to talk about because mm-hmm. as a mom myself, that terrifies me. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to do everything you can to protect your child and right. that online world. Right. And apps, what would the word be? Grooming? Grooming. And that's what they're doing? It's absolutely what they're doing. Yes. They're so they're out there me. preying on young girls mm-hmm. and boys and boys. Yep, and they're using social media to get to them. They're using Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Um, I can't recall the exact number, but the last time I heard, there's like over 200 different apps that traffickers are using to connect with children. And I think you'd be surprised mm-hmm. at if you're a mother of a middle schooler or a teenage child, you'd be surprised at how many apps are on that phone that you may not even be aware of because it looks like a calculator mm-hmm. or, you know, it disguises itself as something else on a phone. And these kids are using these apps and, and traffickers are on these apps as well. Predators are on these apps as well. 
So as a parent, what do you do? I know you're a parent as well. I am. Yes. Um, well, for me, I highly monitor my kids. They don't have their right. own iPhone. Yeah. You know, and my son is 12 and he so desperately wants one, but I'm not going to do it right now. Um, he has like the most old school phone ever. You can barely text on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that that's not realistic for, for all kids. And it's just a matter of doing what you can to monitor your kids as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, the reality it is, is we can't keep our eyes on our kids at all times. So talk to your kids, right? They shouldn't be like completely in the dark about this mm-hmm. because then they're not going to know what to look out for. Right. Teach your kids what to look out for. If what there kind is, of things? Tell me, okay, give so me some ideas here. If there's somebody that is sending you a friend request and you do not know who they are and they don't have any mutual friends, huge red flag. Mm-hmm. Do not accept that friend request. Okay. Um, or if you know you did accept that friend request and now they're asking you for personal information or they're asking... You know, you tell your daughter, if they're asking you to send pictures of yourself or what grade you're in or anything like that, that is a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that because that that predator or that trafficker now is starting to get into that girl's life, mm-hmm. right? Starting to try to understand her because it's a lot harder to understand people when it's online, right? right. And so they're um, trying to gather information about this child so that they can use that against this child, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's something like all of a sudden this girl's not talking about how she just got into a fight with her mom and her mom doesn't understand her and this and that, well, now he's all of a sudden going to use that vulnerability against her sure. and say, okay, well, your mom doesn't understand you, but I do. And I want to help you through this, mm-hmm. you know, so let's meet. And when you're, I mean, think about it. We're women in here today. Like right. when I was a young girl, it did not take much at all for a guy to look at me, tell me I'm pretty. And I was like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. I'll follow you wherever you go. Right. Um, it's, I, I tell people, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but the reality is, is it's really not that hard to manipulate vulnerable young teenage girls yeah i mean it's it's really not and self-esteem so self-esteem is low a lot of times there's just so yes. many issues oh my gosh so much and you so know, and we all remember they want acceptance they're, they're looking Absolutely. for love they're looking Absolutely. for you know guys to think they're pretty all that kind of stuff so again just try to monitor social media okay. as much as you can um definitely please talk to your kids learn the dangers yourself and then talk to your kids and talk to them on a regular basis talk to them about what grooming looks like mm-hmm well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me on here. I appreciate it. Uh, Kristen Harness, Chief Executive Officer, also the founder of Extended Hands of Hope. Incredible work that you're doing. Let's give the website one more time. ExtendedHandsOfHope.org. All right. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I'm Melissa Moore. This is Sunday, and this is your Mile High Magazine. Thanks for spending it with me.